How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Yeah, this is it. This is what we do. Battling through it and finding a way. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. As promised, only a week between episodes this time. Life did not get in the way. Um, and for the most part, the Kings still doing good things. So we don't have to be sad. Love this trend where we keep being happy every time we record. It's nice. It's great. I mean, people just, it's their best start in franchise history, and I would like it to keep yeah. going. I want it to be like the most games that they've ever won in the history, or like in a season in the history of the Kings franchise. That'd be cool. That sounds like a lot of happy and a lot less sad for me, and I'll take it. Yeah, it. I would love that. Pretty much every time they win now, I'm like, maybe they'll never lose again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't, I know we keep harping on this, but I don't understand these feelings. <laughs> I have so much faith in them. What's going on? It's very bizarre, but also extremely rad. The Kings are 10-2-2 now, still third in the league, second in the West, first in the Pacific Division. Um, and even though they've lost a couple more times, I'm not, like, really down on it at all. I'm just like, oh, it's not too bad. Because still, they've only lost twice in regulation, and the other two losses in overtime really softens the blow for me. So I'm just riding a high. Yeah, it feels good. And that most recent loss in overtime was kind of a, a bummer, but like the Kings came against the Preds, obviously, but the Kings came back in such like a delightful fashion that I can't really be too mad. I'm just happy they got that extra point. Yeah, it kind of reminded me like the, I mean, it, obviously that game wasn't, this most recent game wasn't the same, but when the Kings played the Preds and had that comeback as well and then lost in overtime where it was oh, like, yeah. I'm just so excited you did that, <laughs> that you got <laughs> like, this far. Don't even care. And it was always like the goal was just like not very long after overtime started. And you're like, right, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> so that was short-lived, okay. but I'm still right. happy. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we'll roll with it. Yeah, and at least this time um, they came with some firsts. So Alex Ayafala, we've been asking for it. And finally, it happened to some hard work, both from him and then a great pass from Kopitar, he got his first NHL goal. What a wonderful moment. So congratulations, Ayafalo. It was a pretty good one. I thought for a second that Kopitar was just going to go for it. But yeah. um, he made a nice little pass and Ayafalo had a pretty open net to sink it. It would have been really funny if he didn't, but um, I'm glad that he did. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, oh man, so <laughs> rough. Um, but yeah, he got it. I thought that Kopitar was going to shoot also, but he, I didn't actually look for any quotes from Kopitar from after the game, so I'm not sure if he talked about it, but I am curious whether or not he was originally thinking shoot and then saw Alex Iafalo over there wide open um, because the move was like perfect and he was just there alone <laughs> and <laughs> he batted it right in. But yeah, I definitely thought Kopitar was going to shoot as well. But instead, he passed it off and um, got Ayafalo a really happy moment. And then Tyler Toffoli smushed Ayafalo gently against the glass, <laughs> which was... For like multiple seconds, <laughs> for like an extended so period of time, like... <laughs> Just deep hugs with Tyler Toffoli while yeah. the Staples Center cheers for you. I mean, and you got a sweet pass from Kopitar. That sounds like a pretty ideal first NHL goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hard to beat. After the game, Ayafalo said, quote, when I'm older, it'll be pretty cool to say I got a nice pass from Kopitar on my first goal. So yeah, not only is it memorable because it was his first goal, but because he got it from a pretty awesome person. <laughs> so good stuff all around for that guy. Once again, excited. we love when people love Kopitar. Yeah, it just makes everything sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> it just is so nice. Um, I feel like Kopitar did know that he, I mean, I didn't look for quotes either from him. But I feel like he did, just because, I don't know, I'm not a hockey player. I would be focused real hard on trying to score. But they're always looking for other teammates when there's, like, a 500th, you know, goal on the line or, right. you know, someone's, like, third goal to do a hat trick. So I can only imagine that Kopitar has been seeing how 
well Ifal has been doing and how close he's been getting, and that was just like a prime opportunity uh, to score. Finally. It's yeah. awesome. It was really, really lovely. Um, but he is not the only one who had a first. Christian Folan scored his first goal of the season, and thus the first goal of his with the Kings. Um, and that was awesome as well. It was from center ice, <laughs> which was wild. <laughs> it was one of those things where uh, Fast and Foxy were just, you know, chattering away, and all of a sudden he just shot it. And then in the middle, both of them just gave one of those like, whoa, what happened? What's going yeah. on? And that was pretty fantastic. And uh, it was a bit, there are a lot of cheers in the Staples Center just because that put them up to three, um, slowly but surely bringing them back up to, to catch up with the Preds, um, only to have our, our dear love Alex, uh, Alec Martinez score, like shoot a one timer to tie him up, which is also fantastic. After the game, I don't know if they asked Christian Folan or. They must have because it was his goal. But somebody talked about um, the fact that I guess Stevens had noticed the way um, Nashville's goaltender was coming out to challenge some of those shots or coming out on the dump-ins or whatever, trying probably thinking to corral the pucks or whatever. So it was probably not planned exactly like they would score, (laughs) but it made him um, take the chance and just take a shot on net and sort of do a fake dump motion and then take the shot just to see what would happen and actually ended up it being totally a best case scenario <laughs> totally so, worked. wonderful job there so that was pretty cool so yeah like they had they went down for you know most of the game and so it was kind of like i don't know what this might not turn out well um but then came back in sort of a wild fashion in the third period to still make the game exciting um and then of course even though they lost in overtime it was still like well, that ended up being way doper than I thought it was going to be through 40 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, that was a pretty a pretty good game. The Kings definitely redeemed themselves in the end there. What was our game before that? I, I can only remember one Kings game at a time, I've realized. <laughs> and... uh, well, how did you feel about the um, Kings-Toronto game when oh, you had right. to root for and or against Austin oh, Matthews and his penalty shot? So the first time, because the Kings were up five goals, and I was like, that call is just complete bullshit. But... I love Austin Matthews. And then I was like kind of mad that I was not at Staples Center <laughs> to see Austin <laughs> Matthews take his first career penalty shot. And then he scored it. Uh, it was so good. And at the time I was like, that's fine. If I'm going to spot anybody on the Leafs some points, I would like for it to be Austin Matthews. Um, but then the Leafs scored again and then again. And then Austin <laughs> Matthews got a second penalty shot and I wasn't having any more fun. <laughs> Yeah. Any of and then it stopped being an okay thing to happen. Yeah. We'll we'll allow one of those. One penalty right. shot. <laughs> Not the rest of that bullshit. Oh man. Luckily for the Kings, he even though he made his first penalty shot goal, like um he didn't get the second one, which would have changed the complexion of the end of that game. I mean, and it was already intense enough when they had managed to gain three goals. Uh, so I'm glad they were able to shut that down <laughs> because I was glad the, glad the Kings pulled out the win, obviously. Um, and then once the game was over, I was slightly disappointed only because last week I had asked for another shutout and it seemed like possibly that could happen and then it didn't. So And then it like really didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, the Leafs, as always, ruining things <laughs> for me. <laughs> Um, I believe the penalty shot goal from Matthews was, I think that was the one that was his 50th goal in like 96 games. And that is nuts (laughs) because people just don't really do that anymore in the NHL, except for obviously someone like um, Alex Ovechkin, who who racked up a bunch of goals really quickly. So um, I love Austin Matthews and I am glad glad that the Kings could contribute to his legacy. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so glad that the Kings are a footnote in... um, (laughs) Austin Matthews, uh, hot start. I mean, I will console myself with the fact that Austin Matthews, even though he grew up in Arizona, is a Dodgers fan. And so he spent a lot of time being sad, probably, just like the rest of us recently. We're all in this together, ultimately. (laughs) It's fine. The little things that we console ourselves with, like, (laughs) oh, he scored, he got a bunch of penalty shots against our, our team, but... You know, he was probably real sad because of <laughs> other things. So we'll give him a pass. 
if there is any way for me to spin something so that it um, makes it seem like Los Angeles, the city, <laughs> comes out as beloved or a winner, I'm going to do it and feel great about it. So. You know, fair enough. That's, that's a good life to lead. That's a good strategy, honestly. Someone else that has talked about how great Kopitar is, I just wanted to bring this up because, again, always love opportunities to talk about the wonderfulness of Anjay. Adrian Kempe, first of all, has been getting some recognition now from the rest of the league. And so he was interviewed um, for a piece that eventually went up on the NHL site. And he was asked kind of about his start and how he's been playing um, and filling in specifically for Jeff Carter, since Carter, of course, has been out with an injury. Kempe said, quote, if you want to play the middle of the ice, you've got to be good at protecting pucks. I've learned a lot from Andre Kopitar. He makes so many great plays down low, and I'll try to follow his lead of being strong on pucks and protecting it in order to make a play, end quote. Which I just love all evidence. Well, this is like twofold. I love when people talk about Andre Kopitar, but I also <laughs> obviously love when younger guys come in and make the roster and then talk about basically the person that they were sort of told to model themselves after. Um, and one that I've loved for years, obviously, is when Tyler Toffoli came up and was starting to make regular appearances with the Kings, that he was told basically to watch Jeff Carter, who at the time was still sometimes played center, but also was still spending a lot of time playing wing. Um, and of course, Tyler Toffoli is a winger. And so he was just told to sort of watch Jeff Carter and model his game after Carter's and I like that this is happening now with Kempe it's I mean some Jeff Carter like he's not just trying to be a carbon copy of Jeff Carter to fill his role but that he's also like watching someone like Andre Kopitar and trying to learn from him and you know benefiting from being in the same environment it's always I don't know really fascinating to me yeah I I really I also enjoy just like the quotes of people being reverent towards um these players that we love on the team. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to see and to hear from them exactly what it is about their game that they pick up. Because you're right. Obviously, they're not going to be some carbon copy of like, you be exactly like Andre Kopitar, play exactly like him. Like, obviously, everyone has their own strengths, their own weaknesses, and they should play to that. But it's interesting to see like, okay, so he makes so many great plays down low. That's something that I can imitate. That's something that I can do and use like my skills to do. And I, I think that's like a fascinating sort of like insight into analyzing their, like the new players analyzing their team and seeing how they could best sort of like assimilate and fit in, but also, you know, do their own thing and put their own skills um, to the test there. Yeah, exactly. It's really fascinating. And, and then it makes me kind of reflect on the parts of, those like the veteran guys games that I really appreciate and you kind of get used to it watching them regularly but then it's always nice to sort of have this moment to sit back and just think about a how good guys like Andre Kopitar and Jeff Carter have been on the Kings but really appreciate for a moment that the example is so strong I mean Andre Kopitar is constantly putting up points on this Kings team which is historically um and by historically I really just mean in the most recent few years uh, not put up a ton of points, and yet he manages to rack up a lot of them. He's had, I think, four 70-plus point seasons, which is nuts on a team that, you know, people talk about Doesn't not scoring score a lot. Yeah. So not only is he good, but he's finding out how to play to his – or figuring out constantly how to play to his strengths on a team that suppresses offense or has in the past. And, it you know, it seems like it's changing now. We'll see if that lasts. But, yeah, I just think it's cool to sort of step back and be like, that's – it's great that he's watching Andre Kopitar. That dude is an amazing example. Yeah, that's definitely a person that you want to watch. It's not like someone's being like, hey, look at how Andy Andreoff plays and, like, model him or whatever. Like, Kopitar is a fantastic, uh, I like, model to have um, and mm -hmm. to model yourself after. Yeah, exactly. And then you also have, like, the added benefit of you can go talk to him <laughs> and ask him to give you pointers if you want to or, you know, just exchange strategy talk. I don't know what, pe what hockey players do with each other. <laughs> That's so true. Like, I wonder if, like, I'm sure as a kid or whatever, like, growing up, you see your favorite players and you're like, man, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could skate like them. I wish I could get, you know, some advice, like some one-on-one -on -one coaching with them just to, you know, talk with my favorite player and see – try to do what they do and emulate them and I wonder if anyone has like a moment of being like just watching someone be like man they're so good I wish I could you know talk to them and see 
oh, wait, I play on a team with them. I can right, just exactly. go ask them in the locker room <laughs> right. and uh, talk to them. get some insight as to how I can better my game. That's really neat. Yeah, like, it's dope. Like, Andre Kopitar, Selkie winner, has been to the Olympics. Jeff Carter also went to the Olympics, won um, a gold medal. Like, there's some great resources on this team, um, and the young guys who are coming in, you know, are coming in at a great time to be able to learn from them and also play on the same team. So, I don't know. It's just always cool when they when I listen to other guys having the opportunity to talk about that and being in that environment. It's it's dope. I like it. So, for the longest time, the Kings have not had like a bunch of young guys come in. It's just been players, older players that have been traded in or just like not a lot of movement from um from any like from what they've had. Do you mm-hmm. think the veteran players have like office hours right now? Like that they <laughs> So that the young guys can come in and ask about how they should be playing, what's the culture like, you know, things like that. I would be fascinated to find out, especially on a Kings team where we've heard over and over again that even though there is like a designated leadership core, the guys who have letters, they constantly talk about how they're basically just a room full of leaders. And so now you have more new people and... I would be fascinated to hear more about like who steps up, how they sort of share the responsibility of Yeah, like who talks to them about skating and like, you know, how to practice, who tells them about all the good restaurants in LA. Like, right, right. Who, like who mentors them and in what ways? I find that very interesting. Yeah, and all the guys like when you hear like the little mic'd up things that they've done and the Kings have released a couple even this season from because of the China games, um, you know, the older guys, you can hear them sort of pump up everybody else on the ice, whether it's guys they know really well or especially, like, the new guys who are trying to fit in. You hear bits of that, and so I think I would would be totally fascinated to know how the dynamic has evolved or shifted um, this season with newer guys coming in and more opportunity to sort of, like, give wisdom to people and not just a room full of people who have been there with you before all the time. Um, I bet it's interesting and in small ways, probably not like huge ways, but some interesting shifts here and there. Once again, we want a behind the scenes thing with the Kings. I want it. Yeah, please. Always. I want more from them. Um, So some good news, speaking of veteran guys and also guys who I keep forgetting about, and I'm so sorry. Yep. (laughs) Marion Gabrick is still a Kings player and is um, skating again. So we might actually see him on the ice sometime in the not too distant future because he's sort of getting back into the swing of things. I think that would be good, but then also we'll pose a little bit of a challenge for uh, who plays where. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be interesting. Well, it's the, it's the same with Jeff Carter right now, too. I know that he's still out indefinitely or not really sure what's going on there. But in this near slash distant future, who knows? When the two of them come back, whether at the same time, whether separately, um, what's going to happen? Like, do you shake up a good thing or, you know, what do you do? Yeah, that's going to be a challenge, especially like if you think about those top two lines, like Alex Iafalo and Adrian Kempe have both shown that they're capable of playing those minutes. So it's going to be tough to be like, all right, you guys move down (laughs) Um, i mean i guess they i guess they know i mean they have to know you've you've got to pay your dues in in hockey you know um so they had their chance and they did amazing things with them like you can't fault them for that like even if they i mean we're speaking very hypothetically because no one has like a a start date that's that's coming right exactly um but even if they even when that happens they've taken that opportunity and they've done amazing things with it so even if they were to kind of get shuffled down a little bit like I don't think they can be too too bummed about that because they you know they did really well in this during this time and also you know if Gabbert it's not like he hasn't been shuffled around on different lines before either so I guess you know ultimately it'll all be performance based who goes where but it will make for some interesting um moving pieces once those guys start to come back into the lineup. Um, But at the same time, it's good to have more firepower because, again, you never know when someone else is going to go down or something like that. So at least he's skating and will be available sometime sooner rather than later. Um, So that's good. Good news. Well, we'll see how long he lasts. I'm sorry. He is a walking injury. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love him, though. (laughs) I do, too. I do, too. And I want I wish him well and I want him to be better. 
and I want him to skate on the Kings, but man, he is... He he does not have great luck. No, <laughs> not at all. staying healthy. What oh, is he made goodness. of? Like spun sugar? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, no. The other thing, too, about the roster is that, well, and, like we talked about it a little bit last time, but like the idea that like someone like Adrian Campe is right now kind of playing at his peak, and even King Scout, I think it was... Yanetti that said something um, was basically saying like when they drafted Adrian Kempe, what he's doing right now is sort of their like best case situation for what they saw for his NHL career. Like he said, you know, when he came up, even if he had been a strong third liner, that would have been a win for the Kings this season. So right now, and we don't know if it'll last, hopefully it does, but he's kind of performing not above expectations, but the like the top of the expectations that the Kings had for him um, because they thought he had a lot of potential. I don't know if even the organization was ready to see him sort of blossom suddenly the way that he has right now. Like the Kings also just kind of, it seems like they have an embarrassment of riches. Um, so if he does move down, like you said, it's not like it's totally unexpected. Um, and if he keeps playing the way he is on the third line, maybe that'll just make it tougher for other teams. I like that he's already exceeding expectations. It looks like they're going to have to rearrange the bar as to what they expect from him and what they want him to do. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> right. New expectations for Adrian Kempe, um, which also made me think about, like, they did draft him, I think, 29th the year that he was drafted. And when you're that low, it's teams are never sure exactly what's gonna happen with the players I mean they're expected to be good but if you're drafting at the end of the first round you could you know basically they have second rounder expectations yeah so the fact that he's doing so well great what a bonus (laughs) to the king's organization finally we see something like pay off with like recent drafting right yeah that's what I'm excited about the king's kept trading away draft picks and I was like I just want to see something right can someone actually make it jeez (laughs) Um, but to that end, I wanted to, it made me think, like, who else is in the pipeline? Who will, might we see? And we know a lot of the guys, or are familiar with a lot of the guys who are in the AHL, but um, someone like Adrian Kempe, who was drafted a little bit lower because that's been the King's luck for the last few years, but is doing really well, is Kale Clegg, who is still playing in the WHL for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, right now, he's a defenseman, and right now he leads all defensemen in the WHL with 26 points. There was game one of the Canada-Russia series tonight, and he had two assists in that game. He um, played for the World Juniors team for Canada earlier, end of last year, slash earlier this year. Um, Of course, they got silver. And yeah, he was drafted 51st overall in the second round by the Kings in 2016. So that's another person to sort of watch who has been doing really well and if he can make the jump to the higher levels um could be really exciting for Kings fans in the not too distant future um so that's cool yeah we got a lot of people coming up in the not too distant future <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to like bank on it you know like right I'm not scrambling for Jeff Carter to come back I mean yes I am but like not really because uh, the Kings are doing pretty darn well but I like that there's so much uh, there are more gems in the King's future when oftentimes there haven't been. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't heard the Kings talk a ton about someone like Kale Clegg, um, but it made me think about those rumors that are kind of pop up here and there about them trading a defenseman, and it makes you think like possibly the reason why they feel comfortable at least seeing what the possible return could be for guys like Muzzin or Martinez um, is because a guys that they brought in, like Derek Forbert, who spent so much time in development. So much time. Every year it was like, is this your year? No. Is this your year? Yeah. Guess not. Is this your year? Oh, nope. He was drafted Finally. in like 2010. <laughs> so anyway, but even after all of that development, he is doing well with the Kings and has found a place on this roster. Um, and, you know, there are other guys who have had flashes here and there. So because they've had some success with guys already in the system and they still have people like Kill Clay coming up, they feel like maybe they can explore the market a little bit. Um, so, yeah, lots to watch out for from the Kings um, up and down the lineup. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting to sort of note that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see what he does. And I let me just express first my, uh, I don't know, 
I don't want to say disdain, but his name is Kale. <laughs> yeah. Not super it's into Kale. that. It's not even spelled with a C as if his parents were trying to pretend that it was something else. He's no. leaves. <laughs> yeah. He is um, really good and kind of adorable, though. So I'll let it slide. <laughs> you can be Kale. It's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> Um, okay, but the biggest thing kind of that came out this morning from The Athletic is suddenly we have an appearance from our old friend Dean Lombardi in the Kings world. Well, in the NHL in general. But, of course, he talked a lot about the Kings. What were your thoughts on our old pal Dean? I mean, I thought it was a really interesting read. Um, I I kind of – I'm just going to start – I'm starting from the bottom. I thought it was very – not amusing, but the way that it's written is very just like, Dean, do you have a moment to talk about your, like, ex? Right. Um, <laughs> Mike Richards in that way. Uh, but it was, I, it, it gained some, like, insight into, like, the thought process of Dean Lombardi. Um, and I found that in- illuminating, I suppose. The ex thing, to me, kind of... With specifically with Mike Richards, who he spent some focus time on, but even just him talking about the Kings, like him talking about the start, and he seemed to make a point to talk about how so much of what he had put together was, of course, still in place. So he he did not hesitate to take credit for the Kings start. So that was what was crazy to me is like, was he talked so much about in the article about family and like. You know, he wouldn't be where he was without them and, like, all of all of that. But also he's like, hey, guys, I made this. I <laughs> right? This. Yeah. So, like, the quote, I'm going to read the quote on his, what he thinks about the King's start, which he said to Pierre that he had predicted. And I guess they had talked and he was like, oh, I can see what's happening. They're going to have a great start. So this is what he had to say about it. Quote, The other thing is, people forget about the infrastructure. A tremendous amount of time and effort as a general manager, if you're going to win, goes into building the infrastructure. Sometimes that can be more time-consuming than building your team. If you look at both places, the scouting staffs I put in place, they're still there. Were there any real changes in LA? No. The infrastructure, the development, the scouting staff, the principles we put in place, the analytics, all those people are there. So when you look at the team and it performs, you say, well... You weren't wrong. <laughs> it's Dean. so... Well, I That's mean, so self-congratulatory and, yeah. like, pat on the backy. And it's funny because later on he talks about um, reading The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. And he, like, here's him selfishly taking a lot of credit for uh, what the Kings are doing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it makes me think of basically, like, every sort of pop song slash like music feud where some couple dated and then one of them one of them gets really famous off of a song about their breakup and the other one is kind of salty about it slash is like I made you (laughs) that's kind of what Dean Lombardi is like he's like the I mean because everybody knows how disappointing last season was obviously the organization itself wasn't happy with it because he got fired but he's still like I'm not there but this is a result of me. <laughs> I, I just like want to make just, sure you know. I think he just feels like he has the latitude to say things like that because it was under him that the Kings won their first Stanley Cup and then a subsequent one. Like, right. if they were just good and maybe like, had, I don't know, it, it's just crazy how he would say that. I mean, I understand that things did drastically change under him, but... And I understand that he may have, like, put into motion a lot of, like, different ways of looking at things and, like, you know, embracing analytics and what have you. But for him to say, were there any real changes in L.A.? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. And it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, not – it's not really factually incorrect, but it is low-key, yeah. like – braggy taking credit for something that you're exactly. not actually like, there for. I, I, I mean, it's that that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I I give him his fair credit. He has done a lot for the, the team because he did do a lot of those things. And I don't want to begrudge him that or take that away from him. But man, come on. A bit of <laughs> humble pie this Thanksgiving, please. Yeah. 
Um, but it does. It did make me feel good, sort of in the flip side, where if he feels the need to slightly brag about what the Kings are doing right now, it's because he does still feel a little salty. And that I get down with. Like, Dean Lombardi, it's not actually surprising that he's petty because we have a huge example, which he sort of touched on in the same interview. But the reminder in a situation that doesn't affect the livelihood of anybody, great. (laughs) I like it. It's very much like looking back into your high school career that was your, like, heyday. um, And being like, I did that. (laughs) I made that. (laughs) Those are my successes. Okay, just minor tangent that um, made me think of this interview I saw with Leah Michelle, who, of course, was the actress on Glee. And she was asked about if she ever watches those old episodes and her quote was not exactly but essentially it was yeah I'll watch those episodes and look at it and be like wow we did that I did that I'll watch them and think you did that (laughs) that's (laughs) that's Dean Lombardi about the games (laughs) you're not there they let you go but you did that (laughs) that's Dean Lombardi every time the Kings are on TV he thinks I did that I did that. <laughs> um, including probably with Mike Richards, so who he still clearly is all in his feelings about. Mm-hmm. Here is, I mean, he said quite a bit about Richards and the fallout. None of it was super specific. It was all kind of talking around the situation, which is not surprising. Finally, he's learned to sort of shut up there. But he was asked if he still thinks about it, is still in contact with Mike Richards, and he said a few different things. Um, On the in contact part, no, but it sounds like Dean Lombardi deeply wants to be invited to Kenora to go fishing again. Oh, 100%. (laughs) So badly. Oh, it says, because he says later, I know he likes to hunt and fish. Who knows? Like, I feel... Okay, no, you should finish what you're saying because I have words about other things later. Yeah, we can we can come back to that. But first, um, here's sort of like the, the biggest chunk on what he says about Mike that I thought was most interesting slash important was, quote, he's, or he says, quote, there's no way Mike Richards should still not be playing today. He's not old. When they had the decision about whether to buy him out or not, I put together a video of what he was like in Philadelphia and what his skating was like now. I had a guy put on video where he put it side by side. I remember saying to Mike, you're 28 years old. You're not beat up. You're not hurt. Promise me you're going to get back to that guy. And obviously it didn't turn out. But whenever I talk about that team learning to win, and that's what the team has now, make no mistake, not only is LA a very good team, but it knows how to win. To me, it all started with that special thing with Mike. Um, And that special thing, just to clear that up a little bit, is that he talked about thinking he was like the Derek Jeter. He had this it factor both on the ice in terms of being able to get under other players' skin and also rally and motivate the guys on his team. Um, and so he really believed in Mike Richards being kind of the linchpin for what the Kings' culture was, both on and off the ice. Um, so yeah, that was that. What bugged me about that is the the whole you're not hurt, you're nothing's wrong with you sort of implication <laughs> going on there, because... Even though that conversation happened at the end of 2014 um, and the Kings had just won, the year before when they got knocked out in Chicago, that was like, what, Mike Richards' third or fourth concussion? So Mike Richards had, I think the previous summer, done an interview where he talked about how he has had surgery on his groin like at least once, maybe twice, because both sides had been cut for different reasons. he is he has injury history. The Dean Lombardi just fucking doesn't care about or doesn't pay attention to or doesn't believe is real. Um, it's wild. And I thought that was like weird that he was like, I made him this video to inspire him because there's nothing wrong with him. He's just sad. Um, no, like Mike Richards had some stuff go on to his body. Like it's not actually that surprising that he had yeah. some difficulty. <laughs> And with everything that happened surrounding, like, the way that his contract was terminated, like, that's not necessary. that's not going to put a lot of faith into other uh, teams to, you know, bring him on. If, if it looks like to the outside, you know, that the problem was so extreme that the Kings needed to get rid of him, um, that doesn't really, you know, boost his prospects too much either. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, exactly. Or or boost his like 
psychological happiness very much either. So not just physical, but like mentally. And to outsiders, uh, Mike Richards wasn't in the best place at all. Right, yeah. And there's still like, I mean, there's been no real confirmation, but, you know, it's probable that he has had some kind of issue with substance use and or abuse. Um, That matters. And Dean Lombardi to basically just not acknowledge that makes sense because that's the NHL culture is to pretend that dudes' brains are fine all the time and don't, it doesn't matter when they get hit in the head. But we as fans know that. And so it's frustrating to have him talk about everything that happened with Mike Richards and not, and still not actually take any real responsibility for it other than being like, I just loved him too hard, pretty much. Um, I thought it was really wretched. Oh, yeah, he's pulling definitely, like, I squeezed too hard, like, on Of Mice and Men situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's Dean. Um, Uh, But he still hopes he gets invited to Kenora. Yeah, okay, so the quote is, um, I, like, have, I don't even know how to describe this, because the way that it's written, too, like, shout out to Pierre Lebrun for the way that he wrote this article. Um, (laughs) And more importantly, the parentheticals, that are in this article, like it starts with um, like one that I thought was just funny is when uh, Dean Lombardi is talking about the Patriots, and oh, yeah. <laughs> we all know that he, uh, Dean Lombardi loves the New England Patriots, and Pierre knows that as well. And so in the parentheses, in parentheses, he's like, uh, "Let's see here. I still think you look at the New England Patriots in parentheses, which Lombardi has studied extensively." Um, <laughs> And things like that. And, like, even at the beginning of this uh, Mike Richards bit, in parentheses, he adds, 34 seconds elapsed as Lombardi collected his thoughts before answering. Yes. And I feel like there should have been a lot of parentheses that said, like, wistfully and, you know, things like this in this last bit because Dean Lombardi says, maybe one day, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And he says... Um, I know he likes to hunt and fish. Who knows? Someday I'll bring him to Idaho and we'll go hunting. Let's forget the past and let's go forward. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Um, tell me that's not just like wistfully wanting them to be the it's way they were before. So thirsty. But can Dean Lombardi <laughs> calm down? Um, I'm glad that Dean Lombardi has spent the last few months following Mike Richards on Instagram from a fake account and looking at how much he goes fishing, uh, this, like like some of us have done, um, and has this daydream in his head about inviting Mike to Idaho so they can have a heart-to-heart and fall in love again. Very wild. Get over it, you know, how, you know how in, like, movies sometimes, like, people have these great lives and all of these things are going very well for them, but then they always have this, like, one deep, great regret? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it just, like, pains them so much, and there's montages of them, like, drinking in bars, thinking about, you know, <laughs> what could have been or what could they have said or done. This is it. This is that moment. This is... This is Dean Lombardi's uh, wistful regret Mm -hmm. is everything about Mike Richards. Totally. He has so many feelings about Mike Richards and it's real weird, (laughs) but mostly because, not because it's weird to care that much about Mike Richards, but it's weird to care that much about Mike Richards and not at the same time ever acknowledge your own fault. (laughs) Um, If you think about him that much, but still don't ever think, "Mm, Maybe I fucked up, but in a real way, not because I just love you so much. I don't know. Get it together, Dean Lombardi. Just bring it back out of fantasy land. In the meantime, know that L.A. did make changes. This was not all you. Yeah. For this great um, You did not make the L.A. Kings this season. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the interesting thing about Dean, his thoughts. Apparently, Pierre Lebrun had spent several weeks asking him to let uh, him interview him for The Athletic. And it finally happened, um, which I appreciate because it was interesting and also because I like every opportunity to make fun of Dean Lombardi. That's great for me. (laughs) Also, we should mention uh, what he's actually doing and he's in some advisory role for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. 
Yeah, some because I realized have... we spent this entire time just kind of being like, "What's wrong with you, Dean Lombardi?" Oh yeah, um, he's actually doing stuff. He technically has a job. Yes. Um, and I saw some speculation from Flyers fans that they think whoever the AGM is now, I don't remember off the top of my head, is going to get fired and Dean Lombardi will become the assistant general manager oh <laughs> of gosh. the Philadelphia Flyers. So that would be wild if it happened. I have no idea if that's realistic at all, but it was a conspiracy theory that I was amused by. <laughs> <laughs> I like also in the article he mentions uh, he mentions uh, Flyers West. So oh, yeah. if that does happen, it'll be Flyers West East or <laughs> right. <laughs> right, <yeah>. Kings East. <laughs> or... Oh, goodness. Well, if he does become any sort of management person over there, I am excited for him to sign guys that he let go of from the Kings. Or just bring Dwight King back from the KHL <laughs> and yeah, put him on the Flyers. That. That's how Dean Lombardi could help me out. <laughs> Ooh, what kind of old guys is he is he gonna uh, sign? <laughs> oh goodness. Um yeah, so I think that's pretty much the bulk of the King's news. Um anything else on your mind that is King's related? No, I think that's pretty much it. I'm glad that I follow got his first goal. I'm glad that um that they're still doing well. I'm still riding this high. I don't know. I'm just yeah. very happy. I just feel good. I like it. It's nice. <laughs> um, okay, so I didn't pull a ton of stuff from around the league, too. I don't know. The, there was just not a lot that happened that interested me from other teams. So, however, I feel like we have to at least mention the blockbuster trade from this week, which is that Matt Duchesne finally no longer on the Colorado Avalanche. He has now been moved to Ottawa. Um, and it was a three-team trade. It was Colorado, Ottawa, and Nashville. And I'm not going to go through all the terms of that trade, because guess what? I don't care. But (laughs) Duchesne is in Ottawa now, and he did an interview after. A, it was wild, because they traded him in the middle of the game. It wasn't even like... Yeah, that's what's crazy to me. Like, in the middle, he, like, walks off. uh, Yeah. Because I assume he's getting informed, hey, it was finalized. Uh, And he's like, what do you mean? Uh, oh, right. yeah, I wasn't watching the game. I was trying to trade you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, here's what happened. Uh, did you see the, the – I saw the gif of the moment. But did you see the moment where it's like – I think – is it Blake Como? Someone's coming off the ice injured and he's just oh, like yeah. right behind. Just trailing <laughs> behind going in. That's exactly the gif that I'm talking about. I'm like, where – what's – where are you going? Right, um, right. Oh, to, to know your fate. Yes, got it. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating because I wasn't actually watching that game. So when people started saying that he was traded in the middle of the game, I'm thinking like they pulled him off the ice after warm-ups or something. But no, it was in the middle of the game. The middle of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure that all the Avalanche players realized he was gone until the end of the game. And they were like, well – Matt's gone. <laughs> He's not here. That's anymore. crazy how that happens. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. Did I don't? Is I my mean, question like you can't wait? Do they play a man minutes? down for the rest of the game? Another guy just got injured. That's crazy. But I guess, and, and like, it makes sense for the team he's been traded to because they don't want to risk him getting injured. But also, too bad for the team currently on the ice who are playing shorthanded. Yeah, it's just a bizarre situation. Like, I just don't. Because I, I would imagine that the people who are involved in wanting to trade for him or trade him um, would be watching him play. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess they have, you know, his history and all of that. So they don't really need to watch every game. But still, like, now's the time. I don't know. That's just very bizarre to me. Yeah, it was a wild moment. But I like a little bit of drama to cap off what has been a sort of dramatic saga. Um, So anyway, he was interviewed after. And basically, first of all, like he said that having to go ask Sackick for a trade um, was the hardest thing that he's ever had to do in his career. uh, Because obviously he idolized Sackick. um, But his reasoning... Here's a quote from him. He says, quote, I've got eight playoff games to my name right now. And for me, that's not where I want to be at this point of my career. I only get one shot at this. I only get to play this game for however long my body lets me play it, which is accurate, but also an intense way to put that. Um, (laughs) And he said that basically he could tell that Colorado is headed for another attempt at a rebuild. And he said that, quote, he just couldn't do it. Matt Duchesne, done <laughs> with rebuilding with the Avalanche. So he's gone now, I mean, finally. Fair, fair enough. He's, he's stuck, stuck, the, stuck out with them, like, for a while. 
Um, and he obviously has a lot of talents that he can use elsewhere. Um, and also during that quote, I immediately started singing um, that Hamilton song, My Shot. Oh, yeah. And I imagine that's just what he's singing to himself, that he's not going to throw away his shot. He's going to go to Ottawa and he's going to do all the things that he wanted to do until his body doesn't let him anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Matt Duchesne there. I'm just glad that that saga's over. Yeah, me too. A fun tidbit, though, just to, I mean, as if the actual trade itself wasn't dramatic enough, one last bonus note to the whole story is his first game as an Ottawa Senators player is against the Colorado Avalanche. And to make it even more dramatic, it's not even a regular game in the United States or in Canada. It is in Sweden. (laughs) They're playing in Sweden Friday and Saturday. So that's that. That's going to be really fun. That's that's going to be crazy. I love when I love when you don't have to wait for things like this. Yeah. In that sense, I'm like, yo, I get it. I get why you traded him mid game. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, this will be very interesting. Also with like because it won't be any it won't be any of like the home teams, really. Right. Like the crowds, I mean. Right. There's not gonna be. It's not gonna be in Colorado, where you know, you can get boos or cheers or whatever fan mm-hmm. reaction there. Ottawa, like celebrating their new player. It's gonna be uh, folks from Sweden. <laughs> I mean, not that they don't know what's going on or anything like that, but they probably don't care as much as those other fan bases do. So that's an interesting way to kind of start off your new, this new chapter of your life. Honestly, it's brilliant. Would I have tuned into an Avalanche Senators game any other time? No. But now I'm stoked (laughs) to see what happens. So that's that. Um, And also, this is not related to Duchesne, but Kyle Turris, who was on the Senators, has now landed in Nashville as part of that big three-team trade. And then Nashville immediately signed him to a $36 million contract. So they feel extremely confident about Turris and also are trying very hard to get right back to the Stanley Cup final. That must feel pretty good for Turris, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must feel real nice. On the flip side, not really the flip side, just some other side, um, Brock, uh, I can never say his name because it's like Brock Besser. Yeah. But it looks like Bozer. It looks like (laughs) Bozer. But he got a hat trick anyway in his rookie season. Um, So that's really cool. Less cool that he's on the Vancouver Connects. But I'm always delighted for um, people doing delightful things in their rookie season. He's only played like nine games. Um, yeah. So far. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, that's really dope. Um, and I'm he's glad an American. That... <laughs> yeah, and I love an American player. You know how I feel about those. I also am happy because for the Canucks part, I'm glad that he got it after Adrian Kempe. So <laughs> I can still be, you know, just glad that Adrian Kempe technically has the one up being the first rookie this season to get a hat trick. Yeah. Um, but good stuff for Brock Besser and yep. someone else. Oh, Matt Barzal. He didn't have a hat trick, but he had a five-point night as a rookie on the Islanders, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool and unexpected. Yeah, way to be. So yeah, love watching young guys find their place in the NHL and do cool things. I think that's kind of all that I have. I don't know. Other stuff maybe happened around the league, but who cares? I mean, the only other slightly interesting thing that I personally can think of is how Ryan Reeves, I guess, wants to be, I don't know, part of Phil Kessel's harem. He's really about Phil Kessel right now. He's super about him. He's got a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. And also, I love that photo manipulation of Phil Kessel, Thrill Kessel on the Thriller album cover. Um, So yeah, he had a screen printed t-shirt of that, which is pretty dope, but also confusing because where is this all coming from? (laughs) Why is he the one man Phil Kessel fan club? I don't know. Don't ask, don't ask questions. But let's Um, let's see where it goes. I I hope that Phil Kessel just uses all of this and like puts it on his Tinder profile or something like that. Like, look at how cool I am. (laughs) This dude is putting me on shirts and wearing it around. Yeah, so that is, uh, I wasn't expecting that to turn into more than the Halloween one-off, but apparently this might be a thing for a little while. I'm super okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens there. 
Um, otherwise, I think that's it. Everybody's just, you know, playing games, doing what they do, and it's another week in hockey. Yeah, I, I dig it. Uh, yeah, keep rolling. Keep doing what you do, Kings. Um, I can't suggest anything. Trevor Lewis, I'm looking at you. Keep mm-hmm. scoring goals. Um, mm-hmm. I need you to score 22 this season. You He's know that's not asking a best. lot. He's trying uh, his best. He is trying his best. He legitimately is, and I'm very <laughs> proud of him for it. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm stoked. I am now very excited for um, a Colorado Senators game, two teams yeah. that I have never in my life cared about. Right, right. Um, it's the although first the first the first hockey game that I ever went to um, involved the Colorado Avalanche, but oh, really? Yeah, was it a it Kings was a, game? No, it was a it was a Ducks Avalanche game oh. that I performed at. As oh, that's right. A, as a as a wee figure skater. Yeah, didn't care about them them then. Still don't care now. <laughs> well, at least you're consistent. <laughs> See, I went to that game, and hockey ended up being cool. Which not, is not those that two team. teams. Yeah. Not, not either of Neither those teams. One. Yeah. So, <laughs> hockey left the impression. Not those teams. Oh man! Yeah, my first hockey game was a college game. My first NHL game that I actually saw live was Kings Flames. So that was good because it was when the Flames, I mean, the Flames are still bad, but it was when they were like, they hadn't had a couple seasons where they made the playoffs, so they were expected to be bad. So the Kings won, you know, very handily. It was nice. I enjoyed myself. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, all right. What do you want from the Kings next week? Like By the next time we record. More goals. Say. I want Dustin Brown to score another goal. Yeah. Because I think he's got what's like 13 points right now i think he has like the same number of points as Sidney crosby and i think that's hilarious um, um they're the same <laughs> they're, so, officially the same. <laughs> they're officially the same same player um so if, if dustin brown can get a couple more points uh just get more points than Sidney crosby there you go that would be fun that's, um, that's my super arbitrary want for uh next week i what do i want are there more guys who need to score their first goal the only people that haven't scored a goal are Derek Forbert, um, Oscar Fantenberg. Oh, yeah. That's who I want to score. It's Fantenberg's time. Yeah, let's I do it. I there was one of them. So he can score. Uh, I want – I didn't get really a Jeff Carter update this week, so I still want that. Um, not on the Kings. I hope there are more reasons for people to write articles about how the Oilers – Already might be out of playoff contention. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. I don't know why that's so funny. Because, like, for half a second, it's like, oh, maybe this is going to be all right. And no. Yeah. Uh, it's still all. so early. They could turn things around. But I appreciate that but already will there they? have been. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate but that will they? <laughs> there have already been, like, two or three articles where people are like, oh, it might not happen. That delights me. So if we could... Keep trending in that direction. I will be happy next week. That will be wonderful. Um, that's all I got. Anything else before we go? No, I think I think that's it. Okay. Well, you guys, you know the deal. Um, follow us on Twitter, at ThanksBud. You can talk to us there. You can email us, chirp at thanksbud.com. Uh, otherwise, take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. And we will talk to everybody next week. Bye, friends. Bye, everyone.